Jesse. Joe. What in the world are you doing? Hanging out. What are you doing? We got our first guest today. We do. Mr. Shane Mitchell. What's going on, Shane? Not a whole lot. I worked with Shane. When did we meet? Back in 2006. 2006. We worked at a inert landfill together which technically we still work together technically we do he owns both companies yeah different companies same boss that's same, same owner that that's makes, correct that makes us sound like slaves <laughs> i feel like there's some history here that we're gonna have to bypass we, we, we might could dang get rabbit holing down that comment <laughs> Of, of slaves. <laughs> wow. I need my job too much to have a hole too far. <laughs> oh, man. What y'all been doing this week? What'd you do, Jesse? I was out of town helping a friend. Helping a friend. Yeah. I was working on the crusher at work. I've been doing the metal thing all week. How's that going? It's uh, picking up. It's busy. It's nice. That's good. That's good. I mean, I hate to be the one to ask what the metal thing is, but I'm going to ask what the metal thing is. It's uh, also Brooks Recycling. We just bring mm. in all all kind of alloys, metals. Oh, you like know, scrap metal and stuff. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Nice. That's exactly what they do. I got some scrap metal in my backyard. Can you come get it? No. No, no. <laughs> no she, I, I don't pick up. No, she, wrong kind of metal. <laughs> plus, plus, she lives in Canton. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pass on that one. That's a hard no, Shane Price, said. Prices ain't that high, Jesse. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, the reason we've got Shane here today is uh, I don't remember when it was. So we've known each other since 06. But Shane had told me a little bit about his life, his previous life before I met him. And uh, when me and Jesse started talking about doing this podcast i told jesse about you remember you know i do and i said shane has got to be the first one you did and then there was two others and in all actuality i was worried one of them was going to line up before you because i I felt you were supposed to be the first one and why that is i don't know well, I kind of think now you need to share a little bit about how it lined up. About how the uh, Shane lining up mm-hmm. to be on today? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I talked to him before uh, about... Now, I, which, when I'm thinking about material for the podcast, it's always spontaneous, truth over entertainment. But I do go to God and say, what next? Right what next and uh when we first started doing it i called shane the week that we started i think i called you the week that we uploaded the first one or maybe the week we first started recording um and it just didn't line up with his schedule he had some stuff going on right you go to the lake a lot don't you we try to go to the lake a lot yes (laughs) (laughs) uh I feel like I need to ask, do you have a boat? I do, and nice. I'm actually missing out on my boat trip today because they're out there now. Well, but I can tell you right now, there's no place I'd rather be than, than giving my testimony for people out there that need to hear it. That's, that's good. Right. That, and that's the reason I love doing this, uh, is I feel led to do this with Jesse because 
we communicate so well together in our faith and our alcoholism and i think maybe that's uh one reason i was led to the feeling for you to be first on the podcast you know there's a lot of people and men you've talked about faith just a little bit we have and uh you ain't never been one of those guys that's come to me with the i know more than you do attitude because a lot of times that happens so you talk to somebody and oh i know you know you don't know about this in the bible or this this and this you know it's a man can have an ego thing anyhow and that can follow over into your faith sure well women can do the same thing right but especially when it comes to how much knowledge they have on right on the word but you've never done that and uh just straightforward and said what you had to say and i respect that and they they so that's a level of humbleness because there's you there's humbleness in caring what you tell somebody and really not caring what how you come off to you see what i'm saying yes uh authenticity right truth over entertainment and uh so my i i'm sure god will reveal throughout this next this conversation of why shane was supposed to be the first one sure and disclaimer if i accidentally call him bobby (laughs) (laughs) i've called him bobby uh ever since i've known him because he started out we was doing a development in front of the landfill and they had him driving the water truck (laughs) so you know big bad smart butt cornbread had to call him bobby boucher (laughs) and it ain't never bothered him a bit so i just stuck it stuck bobby stuck real quick everybody calls him bobby yeah you have a way of uh giving people nicknames and they cannot get away with get away from them that's for sure so if i accidentally say bobby that's shane okay shane got it but he's not gonna call me joe i'm the only one that calls you joe yeah he's gonna call me cornbread or bread yeah i'm never calling you that right (laughs) i'm just not so why why is shane here well you called me cornbread to, to ask me to to be on here to give my testimony um on addiction and faith and well i had a very bad addiction um when you called i did have things going on which gave me a little time to think about it and you know once you find god you know people think the devil will leave him alone (laughs) (laughs) that devil's worked on me ever since you asked me tried to come up with all kind of reasons not to do it Mm -hmm. it's not because um ashamed of it but it brings up memories that uh really hurt but um i think i should give you a background of myself on what led into the addiction because a lot of people out there think that uh addicts come from bad people you know you get that from the news media you know well he's an addict you know, he he was raised this way, raised that way. It was it was bled, you know, bred into him. Right. That's not true. I mean, I came from a God fearing family that worked. Uh, my daddy worked a job at Lockheed for years, and he retired from Lockheed. He never missed a, a day unless he, you know, had to. 
Mom cut hair, drove a bus. Um, it's good, brother. It's good. You know, when uh, you started saying that, the, the devil had worked on you. When I'd called and talked to you, and you called me the other night, and uh, you'd said it's hard. It's hard to do it over again. And uh, I'm going to try to get through this because I'm about to get choked up myself. <laughs> Well, if both of y'all cry, then I'll just talk a little bit. <laughs> so, I was praying on that and, and thinking on it. And something kept coming to my head. Um, and it was, and I, and I didn't know exactly where in the Bible I had read this. And it was professed, a good profession before. Professed. And I. I heard that in my head four or five times, right? So this morning, I said, well, I'm gonna wait and see if Bobby messages me about 2.45, if I ain't heard from him, I'm gonna call him. So that gave me plenty of time to study and pray on this. And y'all help me out so I don't butcher it. Jesse, you especially. Jesse is a, <laughs> she knows the Bible, right? Yeah, so, well, I have Google. <laughs> <laughs> so, First Timothy six twelve, mm -hmm. fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto <clears throat> are also called, and must profess a good profession before to many witnesses. And you had told me you had done it many times before, many times before. And when I when I prayed on that, and I bet I read it fifteen times, there was no doubt in my mind you was coming. And you you just pulled up what ten minutes ago? Yes, sir. I didn't once look at my phone to check to see. Now I believe in that Paul was speaking to Timothy about fleeing from sin uh, and staying staying away from false teaching. Right. And that. Uh, specific verse there but that as it finally hit me that's why I was hearing it that you was coming to do it again that's right I, that, that you, you that you've got this and I, I know in my heart of hearts that it's gonna help some people brother well I hope it does I mean you're right I have spoken many times uh, Linda Sharon was the uh, first one to ask me to speak I spoke at my church and that was right when I had come out. It was a uh, it was a very emotional time then. But again, leading up to it, I mean, because I want y'all to y'all want y'all to understand, um, I lived one of the best lives that you could live growing up. Mom and Daddy had you know they worked hard for for what we had, so. It was nothing that was um, nothing like like that, that that drove me to it. I mean, when I grew up, I played baseball, I played football. I mean, we lived out in the country. We got to fish. We got to ride horses. I mean, I lived a, a good life. Right. And uh, the the only thing growing up was is is um, I had a hard time learning. Right. Um, 
Was, was you ever diagnosed with a learning disability? No. Back then, we, you know, they just took it as I just didn't like school. Um, I didn't like school because I couldn't grasp hold of it. So that drug me down. Um, I didn't. I didn't get to enjoy the school and learning since because I just couldn't grasp it. But other than that, I mean, like I said, mama, mama worked two jobs, daddy worked a job. I mean, I had a brother. We all, we all lived. I mean, we, we got up, mama got up at 4.30, cooked daddy breakfast. Daddy went to Lockheed, mama went back to bed. She got back up to get us up to go to school and she would feed us breakfast, get us off to school, and then she would feed herself breakfast and, right. and go to work. Right. It was every day. Right. So, I mean, I had everything that that I needed. I mean, right. it wasn't. I mean, it was it was great. Um, so, childhood was you know a, it was it was really good. Right. Um, when I got to high school, that's when the learning disability for me affected things. Cause um, everybody else was, you know, they were doing their work, moving on, and I would try to cover it up with uh, with something. When I couldn't do it, I, you know, I tried to either be funny or, you know, a smart butt or, you know, so mm -hmm. I just couldn't, I just couldn't grasp it. Right. And, um, and again, you know, back then you, you you wasn't diagnosed like they are nowadays. So. When high school hit, it it really got rough um, because I couldn't. I mean, I was well liked. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't like that people shunned me because I couldn't learn. Right. But it hurt me inside seeing people move on, and sure. I couldn't. Right. So um, that led to I, I'm just gonna skip school. Right. You know, because if I can't do it, then why be here? Right. right. Which led me to skip more and more and more. Do, do you think people perceived it as, well, Shane just don't care? Did, did they ever look at it? Did you have any friends or teachers that looked at it as a learning disability? Or was it Shane's just being a smart but He don't He don't care. I think, I think it was more that Shane just don't care about school right. than it was I don't think Shane gets it. Right. Because I, I never went. I never went to him and, you know, I, like I should have went somewhere and sat down with somebody and say, look, I really can't grasp it. It's not that I don't want to do the work. It's right. not that I'm lazy. It's just that I can't grasp it. And I didn't. Um, so I no did one knew. You're going through this and no one knew you were struggling. They just thought you didn't care. Was there anybody that you discussed with that it was hard for I you? I did not. Um, my brother, he... I mean, he had no problems whatsoever. I mean, he was, he's very smart. He would, I mean, he made good grades, you know, so I, I didn't want to talk about it because I was, you know, ashamed. I'm like, why? Why, mm -hmm. why? why am I not learning? Right. But instead of sitting down and talking to somebody, I turned the other cheek. You let out school much, you end up in places you don't need to be. Right. So, uh, first off, it, it you know it led to laying out and goofing off and whatnot. Then you end up drinking and cutting up. Um, then you end up you know 
I ended up smoking. I ended up smoking marijuana. And uh, it really wasn't a major problem because when I wasn't at school, I got along. I mean, I got along with everybody anyway, but when I wasn't at school, I didn't think about it. So I just carried on right. that lifestyle. Right. And I thought, well, I mean, this kind of numbs it. Right. And uh, so, you know, that, that led to that. Um, so we're I, talking 16, 17? Yeah, 16, 17. I, I was doing, you know, this, that, and the other. Right. But uh, I, I love playing ball. And I, I know that comes out of left field, but you'll understand where the ball comes from when, when I tell you. Um, I had great friends playing softball. So softball kept me out of uh, a lot of trouble, a lot right. of problems because you know, if you're at the softball field, right? You know, you're you're doing sports. You know, you're, you're not messing with anybody, right? So uh, we played tournaments. We played um, travel ball. We played all the time, and uh, I guess it eighteen. Somewhere eighteen, nineteen, around in there. Or it may have been earlier than that. We played a softball tournament in Cartersville. The tournament was a a long tournament and uh we played we ended up playing about one o'clock that morning and after that game we still had two or three more games and uh I told him, I said, I'm just beat. I mean, I'm just, I'm just wiped out. Right. And uh, there was a guy on the, on the ball field that come talk to me. He said, you tired? And I said, man, I'm beat. He said, I got something that'll help you. I said, what is it? He said, well, come on out to the car. So I went out to the car. Now this is maybe 2 a.m. by then. And he had a, a white powder, which was meth. and. At that time, I had no idea what meth did, was. Right. He just told me it gave me a lot of energy. I said, okay. So I did a line around 2 o'clock that morning, and it hit me like a ton of... I mean, it, it worked with my body like you wouldn't believe. Right. I mean, I had one of the best games later on that morning, and I felt so good. And I'm like, man, this is, this is all right right here. Right. So by 9 a.m. the next morning, I had already found a place to buy it. Wow. At 9 a.m. I bought my I bought my first drugs that morning. Mm. And for the next 15 years of my life, that drug destroyed me. So so what year was that when you was 18? That would have been 89. Was was that an individual that was on the team with you? It was. Okay. So it so it was somebody you was comfortable around anyway. Yep. It wasn't just some stranger come here. Mm -mm. But I would have never. You would have never known. You would have never known it by looking at him. He right. was just as normal as could be. Work jobs. I mean, right. he he didn't. He wasn't a, a, a druggie. Right. He was just a person that liked it. I guess. I mean, right. at the time. Now, was you working at the time? You was eighteen years old. Uh, at that time, I was probably framing, um, okay. you know, just doing construction work. Right. Okay. Uh, so now you got, now you done 
it i mean it hits you that hard because that's what meth does it stimulates every, every bit of your body it does every bit of your body and it don't work that way with everybody but but when i did it 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 was a miracle drug right you would think right you know turned out it was worst mistake of my life right because i spent the next 15 years and that drug that drug turned me so fast that it was just unbelievable of of the amount that you would do you know you didn't didn't have to do a whole lot but i mean for me i was just you know because it made me feel so good right um that's when i started distancing myself from family friends anybody that didn't do the drug Mm -hmm. so was it pretty quick after the 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 initial first thing at the ball field it was immediate for me really immediate so day two or day one you you're already buying your own yep and then you're already beginning to distance yourself yep from from everybody was this the first time you had any addiction to anything Yes. That you were aware of. Yes. Right. You, before that, you didn't have anything that you no, used on a consistent I mean, I, basis. I drank, I drank a beer. We, you know, go out and drink beer, and we smoked pot. But I could, I could set it down mm-hmm. and walk away from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could, I could still go to family functions. You know, not I didn't have to drink. Mm-hmm. When I did that line, there was nowhere I was going for the next fifteen years right. without it in my pocket. Really. And the only mm-hmm. time that I didn't do meth was only when it would run me so hard that I would have to lay down and you'd sleep two, three, four days and right. then you'd get up and hit it again mm-hmm. wide open. Back to the races. Yeah. So so immediately you're I mean you're every day. Are you talking one line for a certain amount of time, then it ramps up? I mean Did it progress? Absolutely. The usage progressed. Absolutely. The, you, you, you chased that high. For 15 years, I chased that high on the, on the ball field. I wanted to feel like that every day. Right. But I never caught it. I never mm-hmm. found it again. Now, right. I chased it for 15 years. I chased it hard. But you, and again, the drug worked with me. I mean, it, it, it tore my life apart. But as in my body-wise, I thought, I had found something that was helping me. Mm-hmm. Do, do you believe, with your learning disability, do you believe you had ADHD? I do. Because the, there's a medication that is basically meth mm-hmm. that they, I've got it wrote down here. If Jesse can talk about something while I look it up. Well, <laughs> I, had, I had some questions about, um, and Joe and I had talked about this because obviously our addiction is a little different, but. Um, while you were doing this, you were off to the races right up front. Right up front. You continued to play ball. You continued to work your job. I mean, at, at what point did that start being an issue? Was it? Was, were you high-functioning for a long time? The, the thing with me when I did it is I liked it so much that I, I did it a lot. Mm-hmm. If you do it a lot, it costs you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So if... If you're gonna, if you're gonna do that much, then you better you better have a a good job, right? <laughs> that could, but I I didn't work in construction, didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I figured out I can sell it. Mm. So 
it didn't it didn't take long to where I figured out I could buy a gram, I could sell half a gram, and do that half for free. Right. And then it progressed. I could buy a you know I could buy an eight ball and I could sell this, and right. and then it went to ounces, and mm -hmm. then it went to more, then it got in so deep that I was in with people. Right. That you couldn't you couldn't get out with. Right. Did you have a family during all this? Are you single? At the at the time that I started out, I was single, um, and I didn't I didn't have a kid until I was twenty eight. So a ten year gap. Yes. The uh the name of the drug that they treat ADHD with is desoxin. D-E-S-O-X-Y-N. And that is methamphetamine. Wow. That's exactly what it is. Right. The speed up to slow down. Right. Right. Essentially, yeah. your brain's running so fast right. that the high it gives you is supposed to slow it down. Okay. All right. So let's start right there where we left off. You're getting it in your pocket every day. Every day. You've got somebody you can buy it from. Yep. And somebody that you feel secure with. Did that guy that initially hooked you up, Did was you using with him? Was this something you was doing with your framing buddies? It was, I did it with him, and it, it, it was, uh, it was um, nothing to do with anybody that I had, that I had grown up with. Um, now, there was, they were people on the, the ball field that were, that were doing it. But we were, you know, it was it was them. That wasn't like he turned the whole ball field. Right, right. Um, everybody, you know, that that I hung around with. So you you, you try to migrate to the people who's not going to judge you for doing it. Right. That's right. So if they played ball, they did math. Then we were we're out of the alley. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, so I hid it for a long time. Um, you know, mom and them ask questions, but as a teenager, when you're getting that age, you know, you that's kind of when you're trying to, you know, push away. Right. So mom and them didn't pick up on it for a long time. Um, they probably picked up on it quicker than I than I know. Right. But they didn't ever judge me for it. But that's you know that's when I started pushing away from the the family. I mean, I'd go to I'd go to you know birthday parties or whatnot to show up. Um, Christmas, you know, show up, but I mean, who wants to go to these things because they're full of food? When you do math, you don't eat. Right. I mean, right. So I, right. I just went because I was raised in a God fearing family, and, and I mean, I still loved them, I mean, to death, but I just didn't want to be around them because it was just, I just didn't want to get caught. Mm -hmm. Right. Had, had you been saved before this? No. Okay. Nope. Right. No. Um, when, well, I mean, all right, so 15 years, we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to go through this, you know, so like I said, I started it, I loved it, I wanted to do it all the time, and it led me to do more and more and more, which led me again to where, you know, the position of you get into people, with people that you don't. You just can't, you know. You do what they tell you, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I sold, I sold drugs. I mean, to 
so many people that it was unbelievable. And, you know, you sell drugs. When you sell drugs, you see people that you would never expect mm -hmm. to right. do drugs. So people come out of the woodworks when you've got good stuff. Right. So you, you run into people and go, really? Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> you? You know? Right. And I'm not talking about just average shows. I'm talking about these people out there doing this stuff that's high up on the food chain. That's right. right. That's yeah. what we talked about last week. Yeah. And so many of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it yeah. don't call nobody. It, yeah. it don't care. That drug, that drug, I mean, any drug that you're addicted to. But for me, meth mm -hmm. was, right. that was it. But, right. I mean, I went on to years and years and years um getting away with it, selling drugs, having money, going where I wanted to, doing what I wanted to, thinking I was living the life, never realizing all this time that you're out partying and having a good time that your family's at home praying for you. You know, right. by this time, by this time, they, they know. By, right. this, by this time, they've, they figured out, you know, there's something majorly wrong going mm -hmm. on. Um, they tried to talk to me about it. I didn't want to hear it. So... Uh, at that time, that's that's when I distanced myself even further. So um, it it got to the point to where, I mean, I was doing an eight ball a day, easy. And what what was that costing? Well, it would cost you about three hundred dollars for an eight ball. But again, that's why I sold it because mm -hmm. I couldn't pay. So you didn't you wasn't working any other job at this time. No, for right. fifteen years I didn't work a job. Period. Right. Nope. I left right. construction. Um, I worked at Taco Bell one time. And when I left construction work, I didn't work again until Brian Stover hired me. Right. So okay. you were a full-time drug dealer? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Wow. Hmm. Where, where did you work at Taco Bell at? <laughs> I mean, Paulden County was rural in 1989. Well, that's uh, another county over Dale Taco. It was Dale Taco okay. right okay. there where the crystal is <laughs> right. now. I got you. I got, yep. I was, I was, I'm thinking in my my yeah. head, we we just got a Taco Bell in Dallas in what 2000. Yeah, wow. yeah. Dale Taco is what it was. Dale wow. Taco. Okay. <laughs> so when I left there, I, I didn't. I I just sold drugs. That's all I did. Right. I mean, and it wasn't. You know, the the media presents drug dealers as people that's out there pushing it, you know, on the streets that yeah. are thugs. And, man, I, I lived in a nice little house over there. Didn't bother nobody. I mean, I did my drugs. I hunted. I, you know, all they would do is would, would come to me. Once they found out that, mm -hmm. that you've got a good product, right? then they'll just, they'll come to you. Right. So, you're, I mean, drug dealers, they're all different types. Some can fit in with society, some can't. Right. I blended in like you wouldn't believe. Right. I mean, all I did was act like I restored uh, furniture for a living. So that's where I made my money from. Nobody ever questioned it. You know, that they really didn't care. But, right. I mean. But, but that's interesting because you had a learning disability that you knew of in school, right? He had a learning disability. Mm-hmm. You have got to have a high level of intelligence to sell drugs, make a living, not get hurt or killed for 15 years. That you learned something. What did you learn? I don't know if you'd call it learning. I mean, the, that drug, 
well, like you was well, talking about a while ago that that helps people right all right so when i did it i could focus right up until then i couldn't focus if i was if i were to read a page like if you was in school and you, you had to read a page and answer questions on mm -hmm. it i'd have to read that page three times to their one mm -hmm. before i could grasp it and then i still it wouldn't stay with me long enough so if i learned it on monday I would forget it by Wednesday, and the right. test would be on Friday. Mm -hmm. Right. So, right. but when I did that drug, I could focus. And I'm glad you said that because that's what I was getting at. You, you was a different person. I was a different I person might, in a whole lot it, of ways. Not in a stereotypical way that drugs change people. I mean, this mm -hmm. teto this changed not your in intelligence, but your your capabilities. Well, I think that's the that's the draw for it. For, right. for methamphetamines right. it's the what it does to people even who do not have a, a, dis, a disability is the i mean you see it on tv shows you see it on the news you see it everywhere you know from college kids to high business workers to construction workers because of the attentiveness that it creates in your brain it's the chemical that does something that is outstanding in in a manner that makes you believe right you have to have it but you say disability back then i just thought i was not i just thought i was not as smart as other kids never looked at it as right. a disability until years later when right. people were diagnosed with it mm -hmm. right. and then you look back and go well mm -hmm. maybe but then i just felt dumb i right. mean right it, it wasn't that i couldn't get everything but there was a lot of subjects that I was just so far behind on. And again, as a kid, you just think you're dumb. Right. And, and that creates some sort of self-loathing, I can imagine. Yeah. It, yeah. You just you you just want to you want to learn, but you can't, and people don't understand. But again, I never opened up. I never opened up and said, "Look, I just can't get it." You know, mm -hmm. I just got irritated, mad, and just wouldn't do it. And, I, you know, again, I couldn't understand because my brother had no problem. He went through school, you know, with no problems. I mean, he, he passed and went on. I mean, when I was in seventh grade, I was in summer school. When I was in eighth grade, I barely scrapped, you know, barely got by. Then ninth grade is, is when, you know, and then I made it to um, the last part of the tenth grade. And I just said, right. the heck with it. <clears throat> so early on, I mean, did you notice any effects that it was doing to your body because you're talking staying up three or four days right or when you're crashing so to speak the other than the crash are, are you noticing hey this i got to stop this or any of those thoughts coming up that, like and if you did when did that happen uh so i, I did see i did see problems with it and i didn't want to give it up so what i did was I come up with a I come up with a system to make sure that my body was replenished. You know, most of them go when they won't eat, they won't do this, they won't do that. Mm -hmm. So I made myself um, I made myself eat. You know, like before I would before I would start, I make myself eat. Even during the even during the day, I would I would eat you know like protein bars or something. You know, because right. I knew that it was what it was doing and right. it would run you down. So I, I kind of figured out a way that that I it wasn't killing my body as much. Right. Now, you talk fifteen years, 
you can look at some addicts that's been on this stuff for a year their teeth are out right. they're all run down i mean it's it's unbelievable um the the drug that we did we actually had a chemist make it right and our the drugs were clean the drugs were not bathtub right. meth bathtub right. crank it yeah. was actually made by a chemist which i'm assuming helped me and my body because i've like i said i've seen people go within a year and mm -hmm. and go downhill right um yeah it 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 worked on me i mean i look a lot older than what i am from the years that that i did it because right. of, of the sure. you know not sleeping and right and whatnot but well it comes to i mean that's the whole situation we're in now they use whatever they can find to make it Right. Which is, you know, I mean, one of the reasons you have to show ID when you buy Sudafed and you have, you're have, you only allowed to buy certain amounts at the drugstore and, I mean, anything down to household cleaner um, to try to make it. I, I, re I remember one time, and, and I may butcher this up, you had told me that, I, and I'm assuming it was part of your system, I remember you'd say you'd, you'd get a block, and I'm assuming that was the meth, yeah. cut, cut a certain amount off for you, the rest you was going to sell. You would do that, run so long, crash, and eat a whole box of cereal. Do you remember telling me that? I don't remember, but cereal was one of my go-to because I could, I could hold it down. I, I remember you told me you'd sleep for however long you'd sleep and get up and eat a whole box of cereal. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> when you say hold it down, did it make it, were you sick often? No, I didn't get sick. What I mean by holding it down is you get it, if you can get it in your system and before you get jacked up right then you've got a little bit of nutrients in your system now if you get up and you do a line first thing in the morning you're not going to eat the whole day mm -hmm. and if you get up and you if you get up and you eat or if you make yourself like i said i made myself eat i always kept water mm -hmm. sweet tea i always kept you know it, but that's just because like i said it made me feel like i wanted to feel right um, and I'm not trying to tell anybody out there this drug's great because right. it sucks. Right. It sucks bad. Yeah, absolutely. But it does work with some people. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not good for you. It tears your life apart. Right. You're only thinking it's good for you, but you'll chase that high your right. whole life. Again, I chased it for 15 years, and not one time out of all the lines I did was I as ever as high as I was on that ball field. Right. So, so you, you took and you had your system that you you know perceived as being the best system you could have not to destroy your body so you could continue doing math yeah right so you had the physical aspect of it to what you believed to be under control yes what was going on in your mind <laughs> everything i mean it, at that time you're doing what you want to do so there's not most people who are addicts are always trying to figure out where they're going to get their next high from. And I didn't have to worry about that because I always had it. So mm -hmm. I never was worried about, oh, man, I've got to have it the next day. I've got to have it the next day. I mean, there was a couple of times during that 15 years that they might have been a bus somewhere that kept, you know, the drugs from getting to us. But not very often was I ever like that. So I went on living my life like there wasn't nothing wrong. So in my head, I was doing great. I wasn't working. I was making money. But again, all that stuff that you think is good is killing your family and friends, and you have no idea. Right. And even if you did have an idea, you wouldn't care. Because right. once I figured out, 
you know how bad it was it was hurting them it was uh it was too late then i was too deep i didn't mm-hmm. i had to i had to continue on well you stated that you didn't have any children you had a child 10 years into it so you're 10 years into this addiction to this life that you think is working and going and doing what you need to do um at what point did your family and you said they started to realize did they realize why was there at, at some point where they figured out exactly what you were doing or did they just know something was off i'm sure they knew something was off but by that time i mean it was very known in the county that you were the guy that i dealt drugs i mm-hmm. mean so you know they like i said they they were like you you you've got to you got to do something i'm like i don't i don't want to mm-hmm. and, and and until you want to that's right you're not going to right so and again if you don't see the pain it don't bother you mm-hmm. now you go on when you're going through life i mean i so i met Teresa, um which is colin's mama um she didn't do drugs but she was just you know the person that i met and, and we got along and uh she wasn't even supposed to be able to have kids first kid that she had that she had died and the doctors told her that she would never have kids again. Um, well, they were wrong. Yeah, God blessed you. And uh, when Colin came along, it was a it was a different story. In the you know you had you had a family then, and you made your living like this. Mm-hmm. So you've got you've got to put both in perspective. But the the drugs override what you really need to do mm-hmm. um after after colin was born he uh she lived there for the years for right before he went to kindergarten the year that he would have went to kindergarten which would i guess he'd have been four or five years old right yeah she gave me the ultimative you can either quit drugs or i'm leaving and i'm like i was doing drugs when i met you i'll damn sure be doing them Right. When you're gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that. Right. Until I came home about a week later, and there was nothing in the house. Mm. She just, she up and left. Not right. a, I mean, she she was from Florida, so she moved back to Florida. Right. And had no idea where my kid was. Wow. Wow. So then, then you hit. Then you sit down and you go, you start remembering. I mean, I was, I was raised by a good family. How in the world could I get to this point to lose mine? Mm-hmm. So you sit back and you, you try to realize what's going on. Um, for me, I did more drugs to numb the pain. Um, and it was it was a while before she ever contacted me. I mean, I didn't know where he was for, for a while. I mean, you know, a couple months. I didn't really? know where my kid was. Um, so she contacted me and uh, she agreed to let me see him so I drove to to Florida I mean you know he's a baby so he's not really grasping hold you know what I mean but so I went in held him and uh, I mean after that she she told me she said uh, she said you made your choice she said now I'm not gonna keep this kid from you or your family, but you you need to realize you you made a choice. I'm like, yeah, I did. I made it. It was me. 
So I went back to Georgia and uh, I had to make some slight changes, you know, because I'd get him two weeks and she'd get him two weeks. So for, um, I guess, because he, four, I guess three or four years, I, I went every two weeks to Florida. I, you know, went to Florida and got him and then brought him back. I kept him two weeks and then I'll go back to Florida. Right. So I still had enough sense in me of family to know, you know, this is your kid. Right. But I couldn't get off the drugs. Right. But I wanted to be a dad, but I couldn't get off the drugs. Right. So, uh, and, you know, what happened to me was, um, what happened to me was I got called. I had a couple over at the house. They got in an argument. It was a husband and wife. They got in an argument. I'm like, y'all need to chill out. It got carried away. She dialed 911, and they left. I, ch I didn't know she dialed 911. So here in a few minutes, you've got police knocking on the drug dealer's door going, you know, 911 call. They're gone. You know, they left. And they're like, well, what, we need to come in and make sure everything's okay. And I'm like, mm, no, I don't think so. But I had smoked a joint. I smoked pot. So they, right. were, they were coming in. They were coming in one way or another. Right. So they came in. At the time, I did not have much there. Wasn't It was a minute amount, you know, because I didn't keep it there. You know, so anyways, they searched the house. They found drugs. At that point, you know, it was it was all over with. That was that was the day that you know it all come to a head. So I went to jail, and uh, first people I called my parents that I'd shunned for years. What did they do? Because they loved me. They came and got me out. Right. I went right back, right back to it again. And, uh, I mean, you have to understand at this point, you're you're so deep in that it, it takes a lot to, to get you. So to make it a little shorter, I was, I was busted a few more times for stupid stuff after that. That I started getting, I started slipping. They'd already, they'd already got my, you know, they, they zeroed in on me mm -hmm. then once yeah. they, once they got that. Mm -hmm. So, um, they, I got arrested again, and I went went to jail, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I called mom and I called mom and I said, I'm, I'm back in jail. I said, Will you please come get me out? And she said, No, click. Mm -hmm. This is what, time three or four? Yeah. Right. No. Don't think she said. No. Click. She left me in there that time. Right. So I sat in jail and I sat there and I sat there. And uh, they, uh, I mean, you're in, a, in the county jail, so it's small. You don't get to do nothing. Go out on the yard for an hour. So one night, they come in for church call. And I said, I get out of cell, mm -hmm. and uh, so I went in there, in this little block room. I got all these little metal chairs set up. So you just take your seat, 
preacher comes in. He started preaching, and I'm like, you talked to my mama? <laughs> right. <laughs> did, he, did he just leave my mama's house? Because mm-hmm. he, he was talking to me. Right. Everything he said, he was talking to me. And I remember being three or four rows back at the end of the service. And they set up two or three chairs up there and said, uh, if you're willing to give your life to God, come up here and we'll pray with you. <laughs> I remember being three or four rows back. I, I was pushing people out of the way right. to get up there. It was on a metal chair on a concrete floor. And I poured my soul out. Right. I'm like, God, I've shunned you for years. If you'll help me through this, you know, I'll, I'll do right. Right. Um, so, I remember getting up, going back to sound. I couldn't sleep. Waited the next morning. I called my mama. I told her, I said, I said, I was saved last night. She just broke down. She said, I'm, I'm really proud of you. And I'm like, I, I realize it, that I hurt y'all. I know. She said, it, it's okay. But uh, they still wouldn't get me out. I mean, they started their guns. I said, you've you done it this time. you got to stick it through. Right. So, uh, I mean, I was in there for a while. I finally got out, waited on uh waited on court, you know it was court was put off and put off and put off. Um so finally I went I went back I went to court and uh it was Judge Foster and uh, I went in, in front of him he went through everything, all the charges. I mean there was there was a ton of charges. And uh, he said, "You got anything to say?" And I said, "No, sir." And he took a small recess, went to the back, come back, handed down my sentence, and I was cuffed in the courtroom and took in from there to uh, do time in the detention center. Right. So I didn't get to see you know, mom and them got to visit um, my brother and them. And, and other family members come in and visit. And I didn't get to see Colin, um, you know, the whole time I was in there. So it was, I was in there, I was in jail for probably a month and a half, two months. Um, then I went to the detention center for four months. And then I left the detention center and had to go straight to Penfield. I couldn't spend no time. All of them got to pick me up and take me there. Right. Got to go to Penfield, um, which is uh, which was a great place. It's it, anybody that that needs to go somewhere, I recommend Penfield highly. It's right. very Christian based. It's it's real good for you. They they work you back into what you need to know to come out. You know, they you have to get up at a certain time. You have to do chores. You have to do this. Then you have you go and, and do your lessons. Um, so. Was it like a sober living place or like a rehab center? It was uh it was a rehab center, but it was it was out in Athens, it was in the country, so you you know, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, but they just try to teach you 
what you need to be what you should have been doing anyway you know like you're getting up time you know because addicts don't have no right time mm-hmm. to get up um but when i got there mom and them dropped me off so you can't see nobody or talk to nobody for two weeks you can write letters but you can't talk to nobody so uh i wrote letters and when they left they were like you know put I can't believe that we're having to leave you at this place, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but it wasn't long after going in there and listening to the messages that I realized I was in the place where I needed to be. Right. So I wrote them a letter, and uh, I told them, I said, don't worry. Don't worry about me. I said, I'm I'm good. I said, this is the first day of my new life. Right. And I, I wrote it in the Bible. Mama still got the Bible. I wrote when I was reading the Bible, I wrote in there, this is the first day of my new life. And uh, you get a visitation a little while a little while later, you know, where they can come see you. And uh, Teresa had agreed to let Colin come see me. And uh, it had been a long time. Well, the weekend that it hit, we had a snowstorm. Right. So I'm sitting there, you can't talk to nobody, and I'm like, ah, ain't no way they're going to get here in the snowstorm. Little did I know, Mom and them seen the snowstorm coming, so they drove to Athens that night and stayed in the motel close to it. And uh, next day was visitation, and nobody showed up for visitation, you know, so we were in there in the gym shooting basketball and they come over the intercom and they, they call my name and uh they said you got a visitor I walked out of the gym and it's a long hallway just a you know block hallway and uh I can still remember it like it was yesterday I could his little feet <laughs> pitter pattering down the hallway he had his arms up he was like, Daddy, Daddy. I knew then. I, I had enough of that out of my system. I knew then. I'm like, hey, I, I'm your daddy, and I'll be a daddy. So we get to go, uh, you get to go eat. And uh, we went to Zach's pieces. And uh, we got to the door. <laughs> And uh, Colin turned around to his nan and pop, and, t- and they, he said, he said, can y'all sit by yourself so I can sit with my daddy? Bless him. And I'm like, how in the heck can a kid love you this much when you was a piece of crap? But he sat down in that chair. He was, he just talked about all the things he had done and how much he had missed me. And... He was like, I want you to come home, Daddy. I'm like, I'm coming, son. I'm coming. And uh, it was, I mean, that night was something else. I mean, like the snowstorm, I never figured that they would, they'd make it. Right. And for him to want to just sit with his daddy, <laughs> man, <laughs> it was, it was awesome. So I had to, I had to finish up my rehab. I had to go into a halfway house. Mm-hmm. For a year, um, 
I got to see him. You know, you could go, you go home. It was down in Smyrna, so I could go to Mama's. I got to see him, you right. know, here and there. And then uh, he started kindergarten, and uh, I went down for his graduation, and uh, he was like, "Can I come stay with you?" I'm like, "But you, you, you can't come stay with me. You, you got to stay with your mama." Because I was. You know, in the halfway house. Right. So I did it. And uh, when I got out of there, um, Tommy Turner at the time, he got me a he got me a job because you had to have a job in the halfway house. Right. So he got me a job down in Atlanta doing plumbing with him. And uh, when I got out of the halfway house, I moved I moved back home uh, with Mama and them for a little while. He went to kindergarten. And then when he got out of kindergarten, he got to come stay the summer with me. Right. So we spent the whole summer together. And, uh, I mean, he, he didn't leave my side from none of that time. Right. We took him back for first grade. And uh, it was probably two weeks in. Teresa called me. She said, she said you're going to have to come get him. I said, what do you mean? She said, he won't eat. He won't sleep. He won't. He won't do nothing. She said, just come get him and let him go to school with you, and you know, this year, and give you a little more time, you know, to accumulate back into each other's lives. Right. And he's 22 now, and he hadn't left me yet. Right. He stayed with me from, from then on. Right. What a blessing. Glory be to God. Absolutely. Yeah. When, uh, you know, so you was in – with jail and rehab and halfway, I mean, what was that? A little over two years. Uh, probably eighteen, probably eighteen months. Okay, mm-hmm. something like that. It was all because they let me out. Of the, they let me out of the halfway house early for doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. Right. They said that they thought that they had done what they could do mm-hmm. for me. Right. Um. You know. So what? after you left there, I mean, what was it like for you? So now you're you're 18 months, you're clean. You know, the, I know that from just a little bit of reading. Um, you know, you, they probably worked some sort of program. You know, what was it like when you were? Now you're back. You're out. You're back into a normal life. I mean, what's your day like? Uh, and you got you got to do 90 and 90 when you get out. So you right. got to do meetings. Um, so you know, I was doing meetings and. And uh, working with uh, Tommy down there um, until that job we worked we worked down there until that job got shut down, and then that's when that's when it, I didn't have nothing no work. Mm-hmm. Um, by that time, I had I had fulfilled everything I was supposed to, so now it was on me to to get a job. But it was, I mean, I don't know. My my family was really there for me, so. It was rough. Um, I had dreams every night of of the drug. Um, it was it was torture. On you know, I, I wanted it for for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted that for years. But you know, you, I was on probation. I had to take drug tests. Um, How long was your probation? My probation was fifteen years. That's yeah. felony probation. Mm-hmm. I had several of them. Right. So. What, like when you're in jail and uh what any type of withdrawals going on i mean you'd you'd been doing meth every day for 15 years right 
the withdrawals wasn't as bad as the as the tiredness because the drug had right. wore off of you. Um, I'd sleep. I'd sleep just about all day. I mean, right. my body was just drained because I didn't have that stimulant that I've had for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Right. So it just took a lot of time for your body to accumulate back into the way it's supposed to act. Right. But withdrawals, um, I mean, compared to some of the withdrawals that I've seen, right. I was just real tired. How uh, long did that last? How long before you felt semi-normal? It, you may have forgot what normal was. Yeah, true. But um, I mean, you when you weren't right. so exhausted, you had to lay down most of the day. I guess it was it was probably a year and a half, two years Damn. to where wow. I felt. You know, I, I mean, I could get up like a, like when you're in a halfway house, you have to get up and go to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could get up and go to work. Um, and they knew when you come home, you just go to bed. So, you know, you had your house meeting, and then you had to do your 90 and 90. So you had to go out and do meetings because you had to do so many. Right. Right. Um, but it, it took a long time. And, and uh, you don't you don't ever get over it. I mean, I'm, I'm a recovering addict, and I'll always be a recovering addict. I right. Mean, I'll, I'll never call myself recovered because, like I told y'all, I'm one line away from being right where I was. Right. And, uh that's right. We have a daily reprieve based on our fit spiritual condition. Right, right. So, I mean, you in the same county with the people you was selling with, doing with. Selling to. Selling to. <laughs> vice versa. You know, um, a couple people in my family that, that had had some battles and still battling with methamphetamine, uh, for them, now their story is different from yours you know not locked up and having to go to a halfway house and a recovery center but they had to completely remove their self from that environment so now shane's driving back from smyrna at a place he's had to be and he's coming right back to the heart of where he was a drug dealer and everybody knew it I know there had to be some buddies. Hey, man, what's up? You out? Or you got anything? Or I hid for for a long time. I I couldn't face it. I I couldn't chance it. I'd made a promise that I would I'd get over this. Um, I just I hid. I mean, you know, hid. Look for work. You know, trying to find Mm -hmm. work. Trying to find work. Um, Nobody wants to hire a fellow. Right. And uh. Thank God that Brian gave me a chance. You know, I, when he had this little interview with me, he, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, look, I just need a chance. He said, I'm willing to give anybody a chance. And he said, right. but that's it. It's the chance. You take it how you want to. Right. He never, he never looked at me any different than any other employee that, there. I mean, right. he, he gave me a job and... 2006 that's when i met you and i've been with him ever since um he moved me to alsabrooks so i'm a actually the manager now at alsabrooks so it's it's been a long it's been a long run um and you know has that happened since you seen any of the old crew i mean that culture so to speak yeah i've seen many of them they asked me the same thing can you still get it like I left that behind, I left that behind. 
So, I can't do it, man. Right. Not saying you should or anything, but I'm I'm just wondering if if you give them any. Have you uh, said I got saved? I'm off that. I've talked to all of them, but they don't want to hear it. Right. I mean. Well, you don't want to hear it until you're ready. Yeah. I mean, it's all about when, what's your, what, what each person's bottom is for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, people preached at me for years, right. but I'm like, just leave me alone. I mean, I'm gonna right. live my life like I want to live my life. I tell you right now, I thought I'd die doing drugs. I didn't think I'd ever get off drugs. Didn't want to. Right. Mm-hmm. When getting arrested was, you know, that was my saving. Right. Um, and that preacher in that jail, like I said, he was he. I don't know if any of, them, any of them other people thought he was preaching to them, but I thought he just left my mom's house. He was preaching to me. So right. I got down on that floor, and I, I begged him. Right. And uh, Well, he, God has a plan for us no matter what we do. We're, he's going to get us to where we're supposed to be. That's right. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll get to where Shane's at after this. I was going to ask you, in the fifth, like I said, you you that I believe that that drug, like – helped you sell drugs right so it it made you think it made you focus for 15 years not to get caught in a rural county where everybody runs their mouth about everybody um was there any close calls you know we talked about your body and your mind what about with the people you was running with they was a they was a few of them that got busted when when i was doing it and I just clean up, right. you know, when they got busted. Right. As far as I know, they never snitched on me. But again, my name was out there. Right. You know, it was hard to hide it. But right. they had to. They had to catch you. And I don't know if, if she wouldn't have dialed nine one one that night because they were arguing if they would have ever gotten me before the drug killed me. Right. I was like, I don't think I would have lived. Too much longer, um, right. if I wouldn't have got caught. Oh, what about what about the the lifestyle itself? I mean, when you think about the lifestyle of a drug dealer, and like you said, it you wasn't no thug, and what what the stereotypical thought was. But anybody try to rob you? I mean, did you have a sale went bad, or you had to get the heck out of Dodge real? I mean. 15 years is a long time and I'm not trying to pull a story out of you but I, I would like for some kid hearing this that that may be inching in the same way to you know may, maybe he'll hit the brake pedal you know what I'm saying um I close calls I mean I got pulled over one time and had a bunch of drugs on me right. it, was a, it was a traffic stop um just wrote me the ticket sent me on about my business um was you high then of course right i was high but i mean it was just a speed it was just a speeding ticket right which you know i shouldn't have been speeding when i had a bunch of drugs on me in the first place yeah but my body was revved up and i was i was ready to go um it's close calls i guess that there's there's a lot of times that uh people wouldn't pay right and you know, you have a disagreement with with them because, you know, the people that you deal with, you usually got to front it to them. Right. You know, front it, give it to them, and they'll pay you Friday when right. they get their paycheck. And there was a lot of times that, you know, they didn't want to pay, you know, whatnot, whatnot. Right. But it, I, I, I had, 
I had enough drugs and money to where I could basically just write them off. Right, right. I didn't. It wasn't worth the conflict of, you know, thousand dollars they owed me. Right. Because when you start getting into that, if you start getting into that conflict, you're starting to get into a whole other game. Right. I'm not in to hurt nobody. Right. Um, I didn't have the mentality to hurt nobody. I just wouldn't sell no more drugs. Right. And, and then, of course, always with, with any type of conflict, sooner or later the police come, whether there's a 911 call or not. Right. Um, so, usually, I just I just, right. just wrote them off. Um, right. I'd take the loss, go on about my business, and just wouldn't sell them any more drugs. Right. That. Um, so, you got anything to ask him, Jesse, about what he just told us? No, I, I, I um. You know, my questions were more about what his life is like now. Right. You the, know, the solution. I mean, the, well, he he's told us what this, his right. solution was, which is what happens a lot of times for people. We're we're forced into it before we choose. Right. <laughs> because we wouldn't, you know, in, in a lot of cases we wouldn't choose. Um, but you said that you have a good relationship with your son. You have a good relationship with your family. Um, do people come to you based off of what you've experienced, you know, wanting your advice or, or I mean, you have a 22 year old son whose father was a drug dealer for 15 years. Does he know? Oh yeah, he, he knows everything. Um, the first time that I gave my testimony, he was old enough. He sat in, on the church pew there. And uh, I gave him the testimony like my testimony lived. And I told in my testimony that Teresa gave me an ultimative and I chose drugs mm -hmm. and he sat there and listened to that he never he never held a grudge towards me um, again he was very little when everything was going on you know what I mean like he did he hadn't got to the age to where it was sure that point now when he heard the testimony I didn't call anything because that wasn't my testimony and uh, yeah, I had to have a conversation with him afterwards. He told me he forgave me a long time ago. He's just a kid, you know. Right. He, just wanted right. his, he just wanted his daddy. Right. And, and God gave him his daddy back. And uh, again, I, I, it's been 18 years, and has it been all rainbows and unicorns? Right. <laughs> Heck no, man. There's been trials and tribulations all through it. I mean, right. we've had we've had lots of trials and tribulations, but. Uh, I mean, I give the glory to God for everything that I went through. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for nothing. Right. Um, I, I think I could have lived a lot different lifestyle if I would have went on through school and made a little something myself. Cause it wasn't because I was lazy. I mean, when Brian gave me a chance, I mean, I told him, and Brian was, it was just me and Colin. So I told Brian, I said, you know, I, I got to take him to school. So Brian let me come in thirty minutes later because I had to take him to school. He was very understandable. He he was he was God sent to right, me. Right. Um my family, you know, that I shunned for years, I mean, we're we're really tight. I mean, my brother resented me for years because he was the one that got to sit there and watch the pain right. that mom and them went through. And that's another thing on addiction is is you don't understand the you don't understand that's that other half because you're living your life how you want to and you just don't realize how bad you're hurting people mm -hmm. that you don't you know that you, you can't see because you can't see the pain but chad right. had to live with it 
Right. He had to live with Mama crying every night and sitting down to pray. And um, he resented me for for years, and uh, he finally forgave me. Right. It it took a while, but uh, he come and sat down with me and talked, and he's you know yeah he he's there for me. We talked a little bit on the on the porch about testimony and whatnot. And I 100% believe that everything you just said is going to help somebody. My question is, somebody out there that's hearing this, and even on the other side, like you said, for the family members, um, is there any advice you got for somebody that's going through an addiction period, specifically a meth addiction? I know you don't feel like there was anything your family could do to better than what they did right right um but any advice also for some somebody's parents that may be dealing with it as well i mean because you know what you did to them right right uh you know the mindset that that person's in or close to you know and any advice on those two areas for any parents siblings grandparents out there that are trying to help somebody on addiction Anything they tell you is usually a lie. They're -hmm. gonna lie to get what they want. Mm -hmm. They're gonna tell you what you wanna hear to get what they want. They're gonna manipulate you to the point to where you just don't know which way's up or down. There is a point, like I said in my testimony, there is a point that you can't help them. There's a point that you've got to let go. Mama and them would have came and got me out of jail again. I went right back doing it again. Right. There's a point, and it's hard. I mean, I've dealt with it since. I mean, the friends of mine that heard testimony of mine that um, I won't mention no names, real good friends, their kids went through it. And they come to me and they said, what, what, what can we do? I said, cut it off. You're helping them. You're enabling them. It's hard to do that. Right. It's hard just to say, you know, no. Take the phone. Take you want you want to live it. Right. Go out the door right there and live it. To, mm-hmm. You know. I mean, you you can't always help them all because right. there's different levels of addiction. Now there is one person that can help everybody out there, and that's God. Believe that. We all know that. Yeah. You need to pray. If you if your your family's got addictions or problems, pray for them. Mm-hmm. And pray for the ones that's going through it. That's right. You know, you don't. You're, it's your kid or grandkids. You're never gonna give up on them. You're never gonna quit believing on them. But you gotta cut the cord sometime. Right. And that's the hardest thing to do. Nobody wants to send their kid out there without the protection of their parents. Right. But what they don't realize is they're just manipulating you to get the money they need for that next high. Right. Um. Just pray to God. Pray to God every day that, you know, I mean, my mama did. She prayed every day. Right. She always had prayer on Wednesday night with them ladies. You know, pray for my kid. Pray for my kid. And uh, without a family and church family out there that, you know, cares for you, it's hard. And, I mean, my my mom and daddy and brother and them could have wrote me off many times. Like, he's just done. And they didn't. They didn't help me, you know, after a certain point. 
but they never quit praying for me. Even Chad resent me. He right. never quit loving me. Right. He never quit praying for me. He was just mad because I hurt mom and daddy so right. much. Right. Um, but I mean, anybody out there that's going through it, pray to God. God, God can heal anything. I mean, I spent 15 years on it, and July the third will be 18 off of it. Right. And uh, you know, there's a you know, they you got you you got you 15 years on it that you can't hardly remember anything. Then you got 18 years of it clean, and a lot of good things happened in 18 years. I mean, a lot of good things. I mean, uh, I'm just I'm just excited. I mean, I'm excited right. to see where life's going. I mean, right. I don't think I'll ever be a wealthy millionaire, you know, living the life. But right. right now, I mean, I, I've, I've had a job for since 2006. And right. My paycheck's been there every Friday. Right. And like I said, God, that was God sent because a lot of people don't want to hire felons. Right. Again, he, you know, Brian hired me and he never judged me. Right. Um, he, he really never even asked me much about it. Um, I did come to him when the Family Alliance wanted to do a. Um, yard sale and stuff and he let me have that day off and let, let us use the dixie station to have a yard sale yeah i remember that um yeah. and after that brian's brian's done a lot for the family alliance right um brian's humble person and he don't say a lot but brian does more out there for the community than most people know and that's just because he's humble and he does it for the right reason right right so I appreciate all that he's ever done and funded for for the Family Alliance. Right. Um, but you know, Family Alliance, if they wouldn't have asked me to speak that one time, who knows? But they did, and I've been with them for 18 years. I've spoke all over the place with them. Right. And uh, I mean, I, Linda still calls me to this day and says, "Look, I've got a person that's doing this and this and this, and this is what their parents are doing. What do you what do you suggest?" And I, I just, let me sit down with them. Right. Cause you got, I mean, I can suggest anything for anybody, mm -hmm. but it's different for everybody. I right. mean, you got to know the mindset of somebody. That's right. And when an addict sits down with with a, <laughs> somebody who's addicted, mm -hmm. they know you're lying. That's right. And know it's you're the same lying. way. It's a, that's what Joe and I say to each other. It's different when you when you're talking amongst someone who's like you, right? For sure. Yeah, addicts, addicts. They they know what to say to get what they want. Right. But when you sit down with them and they start blowing that smoke up your butt, right. you go, man, come on, right. that's that's just bull. Right. I mean, and it and, and then they look at you like, well, you don't understand. Well, I do. Mm -hmm. Right. I've been there fifteen years. I understand exactly where you come from, and I also understand your line. Right. Um, but it's helped. I mean, some of them said, "Go away. I don't need it." Some of them continued to, you know, ask for help. Right. And I like to think that, you know, me and me and the Family Alliance um, has helped many people. But like I said again, without God, none of that would be possible. Right. That's right. And I give all mine to God. He's right. He's that's, the one that brought me through. That's all the victory. That's right. What do you think, Jessica? That was awesome. That was I great. loved it. You still playing softball? I gave it up a few years ago. <laughs> Did you? Because I just got getting too, too old. Too old. Nah. But you look like you're in good shape, man. I, I, <laughs> I don't know about good shape, <laughs> but we we played. Uh, when I come out, we had a church team, and uh, 
they actually came to me because they knew where I got started. Right. And uh, they came to me and asked me, they said, would you like to play or do you think that would bring back? Mm-hmm. And I said, it's just one more time we can kick the devil in the butt. Let's get right. back on the field. Believe that. So we we played, and then um, Michelle and them asked me to uh, to play softball on the co-ed teams. We played for several years, won a bunch of tournaments. I mean, won a bunch of leagues. Just being old people out there having a good time. That's right. <laughs> but nice. I didn't give it up. I just I just can't do it hardly anymore. I, I could probably play a game or two here and there other than that right well he did tell us when we started this he spends a lot of time on the lake <laughs> he's tra- he's traded up the last time i played <laughs> softball was uh i was 19 maybe 20 years old with her husband and uh, you know how fast i am oh yeah, yeah. and uh i was on first somebody hit and uh i, I come around second you know i'm real fast they start waving me around third, and because I was so big and fast, you know, I was 260 pounds at the time, and I come around third, well, my right ankle didn't like that at all, and that was the last time I played softball. I laid up on the couch thinking my ankle was sprained for two weeks, and it was broke. I woke up one morning, and my my leg was black from my toes to my knee. I feel like that attests to how stubborn you are. Now, I think that attests how tough I am. <laughs> no, and, negative. And fast. No. Tough and fast. Stubborn. Yeah. Relentless. You I've, been, <laughs> I've been there, man. I've, I've had my injuries, too. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, your body just won't, just won't do it sometimes. No. The lake uh, sounds way more fun. Uh, <laughs> the lake is fun. But I would like to tell you that that i appreciate you um letting me come on and do the podcast uh but i would also say that you know the 18 years once once you finish up your whatever it takes you through and uh you start your new journey in life you will you will meet people along that journey that will that will help you um I've met many, many people in this 18 years, and uh, a lot of them have have really helped me. Um, I mean, I I have my family, but I also have Michelle's family. Right. And I mean, I've got grandbabies, and I've got all these new family friends, and uh, I mean. Jack, Jack, you know, he want to call you Paw Paw. Right. You know, so you got to understand when when the darkness lives, the light on the other side, it's, it's great. It's right. bright. And you're going to meet people and, and they're not going to judge you. Right. You know, I don't, I don't try to sugarcoat anything. I did what I did. I did my time and I made, I made my amends with God. And that's right. all I can do. So anybody else that you come along that wants to judge you for what you did, you don't need to be around them anyway. Cause That's right. Family that 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 uh that I have never judged me. They right. they they knew what I went through, and uh, I just love them to death, man. I love I love both my family. Right. That's a that's a true blessing. 
to the core. That's right. I'm glad you came. I'm really glad. You got anything else? No, I enjoyed it. Anything else, Shane? Bobby? Praise God. Praise God. That's right. Glory be to God. Jesse bought us some, I I can't remember the name of it. Mm, Georgia Pecan. Coffee. From Fresh Market. I feel like I I love pecans. Mm. Love them. But I just drank a pecan pie. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you thought? I'm sitting here thinking, I got to get through this cup of coffee just so he can ask me what I rate it. Like I do all the other ones. I and think, I'm finna come at you with a three. Yeah, I'm. that's a three. That's a solid three. That's a three. And you have to drink the whole bag. You won't. I'm gonna, Shane's looking at us like, what are y'all talking so about? I appreciate it, but I'm good. Well, I forgot to tell you, as being a guest on the Off the Elevator podcast, you get a free bag of coffee. <laughs> Just go ahead and send it home with me. I'll, I'll do something with it. So, Georgia Pecan today. All right. Well, Shane, I appreciate it. Me too, Shane. Thanks a bunch. And we're going to holler at y'all.